we bow our heads and pray? Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, amen. Please be seated. In America, we talk a lot about diversity, but we really don't practice it. We seldom seek out people who are different from ourselves. We prefer to hang with people who remind us of ourselves, people who think like us and who believe like us. Racial discrimination in housing is illegal and no longer public policy, and yet neighborhoods still do not integrate. People with similar tastes and preferences tend to congregate by zip code. We're not forced to do that. We simply prefer to do that. In school, children self-segregate. Black kids hang out with black kids, white kids with white kids, and Hispanic with Hispanic. Roman numeral one in your sermon outline on page nine, humanity is tribalistic. We're tribalistic, that is to say we, we divide ourselves based on race and gender and geography, religion, social status, and, and so on. And, and we do this in some very innocent ways without even thinking about it, really. Have, have you ever been visiting a church and no one comes up to you to greet you when the service is over? Several years ago, my wife and I were in St. Louis. We were attending a, a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation there. We were strangers. It was our first time there. And uh, it was a great service, a wonderful sermon. And afterward, not one individual greeted us. And there were synodical individuals there, um, officials there from Synod, visiting together after the worship service, as if they couldn't do that during the week when they worked together mon Monday through Fridays. Not one individual came up to speak with us, and I don't remember the sermon, but I remember that. It's important for people, I, I understand, it's important to visit and connect with friends after worship, but to the visitor, it appears that no one cares, and you remember that. So, with whom do you like to hang out? When you walk into a crowded fellowship hall, whom do you seek? With whom do you choose to sit? Birds of a feather flock together. That's how we are. We segregate ourselves constantly, and we see an indication of that in the gospel reading for this morning from John chapter 4, uh, page 8 in your bulletin, verse 9, we read this, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And literally, what, what John is saying there, what he's writing is, Jews and Samaritans don't share cups, don't share dishes, eating utensils, none of that, okay? That's the custom. There is an absolute boundary between these different ethnic groups. But Jesus ignores the boundary. <laughs> and that should come as no surprise. Throughout his ministry, 
Jesus rubs shoulders with the elites in Judea and also with outcasts, such as lepers and tax collectors uh, and so on, uh, people that the elites would shun. Now, in last Sunday's Gospel reading, we read about Nicodemus. We saw Jesus in conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the elites in Jerusalem. He was well-educated. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a man. He was an aristocrat, in other words. But today, in John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking with a likely uneducated Samaritan, a woman, apparently whose relationships are train wreck. And yet Jesus has very friendly and very frank conversations with both of them. And there's nothing to suggest that he's uncomfortable with either one of them. He seems to be at home with both. And, and so I ask you, what does that suggest about him? What does it say about a man who can converse comfortably with people at opposite ends of the social spectrum? What does it say about him, and what might it reveal about us? For all of our talk about diversity, we're still very tribal. Some people today even speak of a borderless world, just erase all of the international borders between countries, but we're still very border conscious in our personal lives. We still lock our doors at night. We still confine ourselves socially to people who are like us. And I highly recommend crossing boundaries, even though I admit it's a bit scary. Uh, several years ago, I would attend meetings of the Pride Alliance in Columbus, and this was a group. They don't exist anymore. I don't think they meet anymore at all because they've accomplished all their objectives. Um, but it's an LGBTQ advocacy group, or at least it was, and I remember attending the meetings, and, and I told them my very first meeting, I said, now I'm going to disagree with you on a number of things, but I'm here to learn, and I'm here to get to know you, and I hope you get to know me. I think that's important. And they appreciated the fact, they welcomed me warmly, they appreciated the fact that I was willing, that I was willing to cross that boundary and spend time with them. Uh, Harriet uh, is a member of the NAACP, and she attends meetings. Uh, they've been mostly online, but she attends meetings because she cares about the people who are there. And I, I would encourage you or anyone else to ignore our self-imposed kind of artificial boundaries and put yourself out there with people that you don't know who may seem different but really are not. Jesus would and Jesus did. So, Roman numeral two, Jesus does not celebrate diversity. He does not celebrate diversity, he ignores it. He just flat out ignores it. Now I'm not saying that it's wrong to celebrate diversity. I'm, what I'm saying is that that is not enough. Merely celebrating diversity does not go far enough to create a community. Here at Grace, you don't even have to leave the building to cross racial and ethnic boundaries. You can volunteer to help with uh, English as a Second Language classes or the International Friendship Center events or Lego Club, and people from different uh, ethnic backgrounds come to Lego Club. 
uh, next fall, hopefully a crafting club uh, will be in place. Or VBS, the last week in June. Uh, there are boundaries that you cross without even leaving this place. So it's, not, it's really not hard. Jesus ignored these man-made social and racial boundaries, and so should you. Jesus initiated contact with whom people would label as different, but the differences were purely artificial. They were artificial. God calls us to take the initiative, like Jesus did today in our gospel lesson, cross some of these artificial boundaries and greet those for whom Jesus has died. Roman numeral three. Jesus identifies sin as common to all people. He identifies sin as common to all. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. Call your husband and come here. Notice, Jesus doesn't call her a sinner. He gently speaks in such a way that he gets her to admit her sin. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you're right in saying I have no husband. You've had five, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. I think it's interesting how he compliments her on her admission of sin. Jesus undermines the illusion that our tribalistic differences really do matter. They don't. They are man-made distinctions which Jesus totally disregards. And it's humbling to think that these racial, gender, and ethnic boundaries by which we self-segregate, Jesus ignores. Roman numeral two, let's back up for a moment because I think I've skipped something. And I, I direct your attention to uh, what Jesus says in our gospel lesson. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus is crossing a gender boundary in talking to the woman. He's crossing as well a racial boundary. And he asks the woman, for a drink. And Jews don't drink out of the same utensils that a Samaritan would use. And so this is really radical. Letter A, Jesus ignores man-made boundaries. He ignores man-made boundaries. The disciples were amazed that Jesus is speaking with a woman. He's crossing a gender boundary. But Jesus acts as if the boundary does not exist. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to his disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. International boundaries, ethnic boundaries, are not boundaries to the gospel. And that means they should not be boundaries to us in our work. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus reveals himself in a global way. He transcends racial boundaries. He transcends ethnic boundaries. Now, Jesus does not erase these boundaries. He leaves them in place, but he simply ignores them. 
He doesn't ask the government to intervene and to abolish segregation through the use of force. Rather, he chooses to live an unsegregated life. He lives as if our boundaries simply aren't there. And so do his followers. In Acts 8, this is letter B, Philip preaches the gospel in Samaria. In Acts 10, Peter preaches Christ to the Gentiles in the household of Cornelius. On and on it goes. The disciples following their Lord ignore the boundaries that human beings have set up. And as I've said earlier, there's all kinds of opportunities here to cross those boundaries without leaving the premises. Jesus asks, he acts as if these boundaries don't exist because in God's mind they don't. Rather than dividing us into tribes, what Holy Scripture does, Scripture reunites humanity under the categories of sin on the one hand and grace on the other. We read in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The problem is not that some of us are black and some of us are white. The problem is all of us are sinners. But the good news is that all of us have been given a Savior. Roman numeral four. Saving faith identifies Jesus as common to all people. Christ is what humanity has in common. The Samaritan said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard ourselves and we know this is indeed the Savior of the world. The Samaritans were not disagreeing with the woman's testimony, they're confirming it. And it's surprising to, the, to see these Samaritans embracing a Jewish Messiah, but they accept him because he's not a tribalistic Jewish Messiah. He's not against the Samaritans, he is for them. He's for you and he's for me also because he is the savior of the world. Saving faith in Jesus does not emphasize differences between people because faith does not see other people as the problem. Saving faith sees self as the problem each one of us must confront. My problem is not so much with what others do and say. My problem is largely my own response to what others do and what others say. And I cannot remove the speck from my brother's eye until I notice the log in my own. Faith in Jesus should cause us to identify with our fellow sinners and point all everyone to our common Savior. Sin divides. There's the real division. But Christ unites. He is the true unity. And the most fundamental unity which we share with all people everywhere is Jesus, who made us all and who has redeemed us all. The Samaritan said it best, we know that this man indeed is the savior of the world. We are inherently tribal. God is inherently not. The scripture says, and he hath made of one blood all the people of the earth, more than that, through the blood of one man, God has redeemed all the people of the earth. And if you feel distant from anyone today, maybe it's because you've grown distant from Jesus. If so, repent. Return to the Lord and know 
But the closer you are to Christ, the closer you are to others. The more you have in common with Jesus, the more you have in common with everyone else. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.